1: This episode of It Never Gets Old was recorded before the events of the past couple weeks. I want to remind listeners today and every day that Black Lives Matter. Please enjoy the episode. Welcome to It Never Gets Old, a first hand account of all things secondhand, consignment, resale, vintage. And sustainable, because the future of fashion is nothing new. I am your host Meredith Feynman and I am in week nine of quarantine. No pants on, crumbs everywhere. Joined by my bestie in the Westie, Sarah Lane. Hi, Mer. Oh boy, I. You know, we,
0: we've. Uh, I, I realized I sounded a little morose just then. I'm. I'm actually doing fine, but. When you said week nine, I was like, yeah, I mean, it could be week seven or week 11 at this point. I don't really know the difference anymore.
1: I mean, listen, I got a new, I mean, as some listeners know, we have a whole backlog. We started this project about a year ago, um, and I collect vintage t-shirts, so I have my new Peter Gabriel t-shirt on. But it has agave down the front. I'm not wearing pants. There are crumbs (laughs) everywhere. My stomach's still a mess. Um, There are cabinets (laughs) open. Uh, I'm usually very neat and I will clean up directly after this, but I gotta say, like a smell, it's rough out here in here. Yeah, yeah, I am um, I live in a very,
0: very small apartment myself. Um, smaller than yours, I think we've compared uh, without having seen each other's most current apartments. but it is it's the sort of thing where when everything in its right place, you know, like Radiohead theme is is actually in its right place, it's great. Love it takes about four hours for things to be like, this is
1: mayhem. Not even. I mean, if you're at home, which I hope you are, and being careful and social distancing and wearing a mask. There's so many people around me not wearing masks. I can't have this conversation right now. Um, But all I do is wash dishes and take out trash and like, I'm one person, by the way it's me and Bean. Bean doesn't shed. She doesn't really make much of a mess at all. She's like not going to the bathroom on the floor. So I don't even know what I'm doing. But all I do is like, it's just endlessly a loop of nine weeks of me wiping down the like kitchen sink and counter. That's it.
0: Well, I hear that sister. I hear that.
1: But we are very lucky. And let's, let's talk about what we're treating ourselves to. So um, I was gonna do a little bit of crinkly ASMR on here which is that I don't know if I've said this on the podcast I'm an adult with a sticker collection I am (laughs) I am
0: Sarah to this
1: you may have alluded to this but yes let tell us more so I I collected stickers as a child but this is different now I'm bringing adult energy to it Um, so you know at the Venn diagram of things I care about are people that are like secondhand enthusiasts it never gets old listeners and sticker collectors if so, like, get at me. I started collecting stickers again about 10 years ago when I lived in South America, and I don't know why. I love, like, five-and-dime stores and bodegas and 7-Elevens, and in Argentina where I lived, they had kioscos, um, and they would sell stickers for really cheap, and I bought, like, a sticker book and started collecting, and then I kept doing it. Um, So one thing I treat myself to, which... Uh, is totally unsponsored but they frankly should for as much as I talk about them is something called Pipsticks um, and Pipsticks is an adult sticker club and every month I was going to open up my like package right now you can hear it they send you like this mailer and it's like iridescent and you pick your like size so they also have them for kids. Woman founded I have the like pro petite which is like the adult one and every month there's a theme. And let's see. Oh, Magic wands. I'm showing Sarah uh, butterflies. Don't want to give it too much airtime, but it's like eight bucks a month. And oh my God, bubble tea exclusively ones. This is like really in my Venn diagram. So anyway, I love stickers. And if you do Pip uh, pipsticks is what I'm treating myself to this week because every month when it comes, I'm like, holy fucking shit, this is the greatest day of my life. So
0: this is a really dumb question. And I used to I used to collect stickers as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get a photo album, right? And you pull the you yeah. know, plastic back and you put yeah. your stickers and you arrange them in a way that's mm-hmm. pleasing and is going to impress your friends. So I get all of that. But I don't know anybody
1: who's doing that with stickers now. So, like, where do they yeah. go? So, I have this box that I made. I will post pictures of this also. But, like, so I was also into an internet thing, like, resin pouring, where, like, people make little trinkets on the internet. I just am, like, like... like between sometimes anyway it's this box it says i fucking love stickers and then inside are all my sticker sheets and they're organized like different kinds i still have my argentina sticker book um that like all of those stickers basically are useless because if you take it off like it's the the coating comes off and you can't really stick them anywhere so they're in a box that i open all the time and look at and put stickers on things um friend of the podcast dana Marlowe her it was her husband's birthday in quarantine and she was like i didn't get him anything he really likes practical gifts like is there anything in your house that you have and i was like um no because all i do is sell everything all the time but i did happen to have an extra stapler so i covered it in stickers and mailed it to her to give to her husband for his birthday Wow,
0: was it passed off as like this is a Exclusive something that the Guggenheim had. No, when, I, she was you just know. like Meredith. It made was just you. like a cute no, thing. No, she
1: was like she's been married to her husband for I don't know. They met in college, and twenty-some odd uh, years. Uh-huh. She's like Got here's it. a fucking stapler with some stickers on it. Happy birthday, and he probably <laughs> loved it. Um, I've been like filling up little hands. Basically, like everybody at this point is kind of losing their marbles. I have been like putting stickers all over my little hand sanitizer bottles. You know, I just. God, send help. That's all I got to say.
0: I hear you. I My mom was over at my house uh, recently. It was Mother's Day. I had not seen my mother in a few months, which for a lot of people, it's like if you don't live near your parents, then that's not that unusual. And it wasn't for her and I because I lived not on the other side of the world, but on the other side of California for some time. But because we live pretty close to each other now, it was like a big deal that I hadn't seen her in a while. And, you know, she came over and, you know, speaking of cleaning up, you know, cleaning up before mom comes over is one of those things, you know, because it's like, no matter what I do and how many Mm -hmm, candles, mm -hmm. you know, I'm burning and flowers, she'll be like, oh are you like is it like hard for you to like clean in that little corner <laughs> is that hard you know that kind of thing you know it just it's just mom stuff. there's no um, shade like mom shade frankly there's no shade and and it isn't even really shade she she can't help herself anyway um I have these two travel uh, size hand sanitizers that I actually found when I was cleaning out um some like weekend bags that I had stuffed under my bed and you know it was just trying to I was just trying to clean up a little bit and was like ah oh, yeah of course because i always took those in yeah when i'm going like on a you know quick trip like you know if you have to be in an airport bathroom or something and you know just it's good to have and i forgot about them so like they're like prominently displayed on my dresser you know like they're a piece of jewelry and she was like you know you should think about reselling these they are very oh. in demand and i was like are you listening to it never gets old which by the way she has Aww. and she might hear this now so love you mom sorry but, um, but yeah, so it was <laughs> just one of those, one of those moments where I think if there were stickers on them, she would have been even
1: more impressed. Um, that's amazing. I love, I love that. She's like, you know, I'm listening to this thing. Like, did you know, Sarah, that like, I love, she's trying to like explain your own project to you. Um, yeah, perfect. Uh, so what that's stickers are my treat. What are you treating
0: yourself <laughs> to? So I, I mentioned a couple episodes ago. In fact, I think it was our first sneakers episode. Um, that I had ordered a Alexis Batar charm. Yes, and it was kind of late, and it was sort of like eh, no one really knew what was going on with that whole thing. It came. Now it it came, and for the most part, but, but given what I paid for it, I'm not angry about the whole situation. But I realize what they've done. The charm itself. What the way that these charms all work because they're all designed to be on the same gold necklace mm-hmm. chain. So they all have a certain setup. This charm lost its, you know, its hardware to be on the chain. Uh, so whoever sold it to me The charm, which is, like, a little icicle, Mm -hmm. that one's it's fine. Mm -hmm. But then they just, like, added it to, like, a weird, like, silver, which is, like, Uh, it's not supposed to be silver, it's supposed to be gold, kind of thing. That, like, it doesn't even look bad, but it's clearly aftermarket. Yeah. And so when I got it, I was like, all right, this makes a lot more sense. I'm, I'm, again, I'm not really mad about this whole thing. Well. Uh, It probably was something I should have, like... Should have picked up on early earlier, but I have worn it since. And it's kind of cool because now I'm like, all right, well, we're just doing a mixed metals thing where there's gold <laughs> and some like weird silver that some this is random the look. person gave me.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess we both sort of half got our treats, which was that I bought being this ridiculous, supreme Louis Vuitton, very faux like dog bed um, from somewhere in Asia and it just arrived and it smells like, like, bad bad chemicals and it's like kind of too small for her it's it's just I'm gonna have to get rid of it but I took a few cute photos and like that was it it's like smile for mommy okay you can't sit on this this is full of bad things so this is kind of quarantine adjacent um hopping on something that you may have seen a lot of but I don't know if you've noticed Sarah but everyone is wearing fucking tie-dye I have noticed this I don't know why,
0: but I'm a fan. Now, you in particular, I, I think you mentioned was it on the show or just between us or I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm going to tie dye some stuff, uh, you know, <laughs> see you in a few hours. We'll see how this goes. And like I've seen photos of it and it's really cute. Oh my God, when thanks. I tie dyed as a kid, which is something that you like do at summer camp or something or like I think probably my mom and I did it once when like just to have something to do. It was always fun, but it was always kind of muted results. You were never going to get anything too vibrant. It all sort of looked the same. So the new kind of like vibrant, cool tie-dye athleisure, I'm very into, but I don't have any idea how to um, create that effect myself.
1: Well, let's talk about it. So... All over Instagram, all over the internet, because we don't see anyone anymore, IRL, you will see people in tie dye and specifically tie dye sweatpants and specifically tie dye sweatpants sets. Tie-dye has been on the trendier side for a while, but obviously you can get anything secondhand. This episode is about how to do tie-dye, how to make your tie-dye more sustainable, and how to get secondhand tie-dye. Because the truth is, when you look at these sets, they're all very cute and you see them on influencers and blah, blah, blah. And then I look at them and they're new. Which, uh, you know, is not what this whole podcast is about. But they're also like 400 to $500 for like the set. Like the sweat pant- it's or, or around that price point, like $400, which is insane. And I worry, and I posted about this elsewhere, everybody's really into tie-dye right now because... You can buy these cute sets. Everyone wants cute sweatpants because we're sitting at home and everyone wants to feel a little something or feel a little nice in a really tough and dark time. Um, So it's literally bright. Tie-dye is colorful and uh, I'll talk a little bit about like where it came from and your different options and how to do it but there are more sustainable ways to do it. There are it never gets old ways to do it you know whether it's buying it secondhand from or buying it Uh, from a maker or using vintage pieces so you don't need to spend that on these sets but I also worry that there's going to be a glut hopefully in the after times whenever or things go back to some form of something normal uh, that there's going to be a lot of tie-dye for sale or like thrown out or donated I don't care about that's great you should always donate your clothing but uh, there's definitely a better way to do this. So, I started noticing, I guess tie-dye is an easy crafting experience. So before I get into like what I did and what you can do and how you can get your hands on this and you can sell it as well, uh, where did like tie-dye even come from? It's actually ancient. Uh, and I will post this blog post, but quote, the earliest written records about tie-dye come from China and Japan. The process was used during the Tang Dynasty between 618 and 906 CE in China and during the Nara period from 552 to 794 CE in Japan. That's really, really old. Like 6th century shit uh, in Mm -hmm. India uh, and even earlier in Asia. So, um, you know, of course we've co-opted this into like... You know white people tie dyeing things so let's let, that's where it came from uh but it's something that has been done for a really really long time dyeing things with you know back then marigold sage onion indigo, blackberries were all used to make natural dyes, and I'll talk about natural dyes if you like really want to get sustainable with your tie dye and then it's something that uh has been popular more in the twentieth century, so actually what's really crazy is. Tie-dye became popular in the United States in the Great Depression um, because it was a really inexpensive way for people to redecorate their homes. And you could use things like coffee and flour and sugar sacks to create decorations for your house when you had no money and during a really dark time. So I actually think it's it's interesting. I mean, it's a different 20s now, but there are a lot of similarities and it's a tough time. And I think people want bright ways to renovate their clothing. I mean, I did tie dye my duvet cover when I was really stressed turning in my book at the end of I I don't even remember. At the end of last year, but that was different. Um, So it's really old. Well, I mean, but that... It's not unlike,
0: well, back in the day or even today, depending on where you live and what you have access to, artists using certain materials for different colors and making great art that way. Like, I... I get why why it may be a, a cost saving thing, but like a very ingenious thing, especially if you have access to a bunch of plants
1: and a bunch of colors. Exactly. So it's ancient. It's so so then that brings us up to the sixties, which is like often where we associate with tie dye. It's like hippies and woodstock. Um right. and it was just popular because again, it's an inexpensive way to get creative. One brand that I'll talk about that's sort of the classic standard for tie-dye and for dye. Now you can get tie-dye kits, which I'll get into. But uh, Rit Dye is like the classic clothing dye. It comes in a million colors. Um, I remember getting it in the craft store or, you know, varying varying stores 100 years ago, figuratively. But interesting. So Rit Dye owes much of its success to tie-dye. Prior to the hippie era, Rit Dye was struggling to stay afloat this guy named Don Price launched a marketing campaign for RIT in New York City's Greenwich Village. This community was home to many hippies and Price went door to door asking artists if they would be willing to use RIT products in their tie-dyed creations. Um, So he basically went door to door to the hippies and be like, hey influencers, (laughs) hey hippie influencers in Greenwich Village, uh, would you use my dye? And, And then it really took off and you know, high-end designers have used extremely, you know, high-end tie-dye. There's a lot of different kinds of tie-dye, but I thought the history was actually really cool. So now we are back up to the 2020s and tie-dye is back in a big way. So most of us remember tie-dyeing as kids. Sarah, how old were you when you were doing that muted tie-dye?
0: Well, I mean, I was pretty young. My parents were certainly of that northern California, San Francisco hippie, you know, grew up in the 60s generation. So they did wear a lot of tie-dye, and it was very much of that era. You know, I think they were just buying regular old Hanes t-shirts and having some fun. And then there were little baby clothes that I wore as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it started early, but it was definitely like... It was not fashion. It was like something to do just to do it.
1: Totally. Yeah. I think about like summer camp. We would always tie dye stuff like I always associated. Now it's more of a fashion thing, um, but I always associated tie dye like you wouldn't wear though. Actually, that's not true. I have this great picture um, There's a specific tie dye shirt. It was like one of my best spiral creations, which is like a you know design when you do tie dye, you twist a shirt or whatever it is in a certain way. It was blue and green. And I wore it on the first day of fourth grade, and I know this because my brother and I are standing in this you know well known picture on the first day of school, um, and I'm wearing my sweet ass handmade tie dye sh- T-shirt. But <laughs> but it wasn't stuff like that was particularly cool um, or like fashionable now. Among kids too, and like tweens, all of these fashion brands and high end like kids brands are all incorporating tie dye. It's pretty pretty wild to watch. But uh, let's talk about how you can make this a little bit more sustainable and do it for less money. Frankly, you want to do this obviously on as light of fabric as possible. White, if you can get it. Really light gray, if you can get your hands on it. There are so many secondhand sweatpants. Um, we talked about them some, but we're not even talking about like nice high end ones. You just need any, any old white sweatshirt, white sweatpants. So I did a set, which I will, I think I put on the it never gets old grid, but I will you know upload again with this episode. I used like blue and black dye. So now there are tie dye kits. I had gotten this kit at michaels when i decided i had to furiously tie-dye my duvet cover instead of finishing my manuscript (laughs) (laughs) like that was something that sarah sarah witnessed this like that i told i was like i gotta go get a tie-dye kit to like do my entire duvet cover and everyone was like are you okay and i was like no i'm trying to turn in my book manuscript i'm clearly not okay um so it's the it's the yeah it's that like
0: manic i need to do something else for a couple of hours thing and
1: something that has like a clear result and then is done like, look, yeah. I did this thing. It's done. Um, and I redecorated my whole bedroom, whole new bedroom, new me. So this time around, I had blue and black left. And I had happened to have a pair of thrift, I think they were like Reebok men's white sweatpants. Heavy white sweatpants are nice. Um, and a vintage white sweatshirt that I got in Paris that... I then like painstakingly try to take the embroidery off of, which you need, which is just a pain in the ass. You should never do that. Don't do that. And I used those two objects, and Sarah saw the results, and you'll see the results. And I was very happy with it. It was low stakes. I did it in the bathtub. I'll talk about processes, but I, you know, you got to do the rubber bands and like tie it in a way you would like, and then you, I sort of squirted these dye bottles on, stuck them in, gar- did it in the in the bathtub please don't do it other places. It will stain everything. Um, And then you put it in garbage bags and let it sit for like as long as you can wait. I got too impatient. I think the like minimum they say is like four hours. So I waited like five and I was like, I got to see my designs. And then I ran the tub water and rinsed out excess dye while they were still bound Mm. because I've messed that up. I'd mess that up with my duvet cover where I didn't do that. And I rinsed the excess dye with it unbound. And then it just bled everywhere. And I mean, it looks fine. It looks cool. But um, so you got to rinse out the excess dye with the stuff scrunched up and then you unscrunch it. And then you put it in the washing machine alone. And then you have your set and you're not spending $450 on it. The
0: one that you're talking about was really cute. And again,
1: like vibrant
0: colors. So I know it was a hassle and it's obviously messy. And some people are going to be like, "Oh, I don't want to do that. But I mean, from beginning to end what was it five hours and you got a whole new outfit and you felt a lot better about everything and
1: I felt so cute and I like you have a set I didn't have any matching sets I know like it's very cool to have sweatpants sets right now and I don't yeah. have any because they're all really expensive and I refuse and they have to be like the exact same color and I was getting lots of compliments and my like when I take out the dog I don't go anywhere but people you know are like oh that's like I like your outfit and I was like I made it thank you and that's my social interaction for the day but I got lots of compliments on it so you can just like do this at home but everyone's tie-dyeing right now so there is a national run on tie-dye supplies so guess where I bought my next tie-dye kit I don't
0: know P- tell me Poshmark oh really oh yeah, wow so so I was again, trying to think of something like super like Like a CVS or, a you know, Walgreens or whatever. Well, no, it could
1: be one of those places. But basically, everyone has realized that this is an activity that they can do with their kids. It's simple. It makes you feel refreshed. It makes you feel fashionable. It makes you feel like you went shopping and have a new thing when we can't leave our damn houses. Um, So there are no tie-dye kits anywhere. They were, last I checked, sold out on Amazon and other places. So I got one on Poshmark. And it's funny because... I was looking at this kit that I bought and it was great. It was like tons of stuff. This woman sent all these rubber bands. Um, It came promptly. Again, anytime there's a run on anything, you can buy anything secondhand, which also if you have tie-dye kits at home and you don't want them, sell them. People are really buying them right now. When I bought this set, it was funny. I looked at it. This woman had uploaded it like a year and a half ago and it had no interaction until like two weeks ago and everyone was like, do you still have this? Do you still have this?
0: So it just goes to show... Was it something that she made herself or was it like a brand?
1: So it was a... She had... It was like leftover packets and bottles, a thing uh, like extra... Like leftover bottles, extra packets of dye... Um, a thing of rubber bands and then I got a second one that was a full like sealed set from like Michael's or a craft store or whatever but it was just funny to me because she had listed it a year ago and of course there was no interaction and something pops up as a trend or like everyone wants to do it and then like in the last week there were like three comments and this woman was probably like what's happening like I don't even know where I put this like I stuck this in my shed and forgot about it like oh shit I gotta find it. So, you know, you can buy anything secondhand again, obviously, Uh, but you actually don't have to get a kit. You can get writ dye and you can do like the ancient people did and use natural dye. So you can do this yourself.
0: Which like when you say that, it's like the henna's of the world, right? That kind of thing. Yeah, I'm
1: talking beets. I'm talking Turmeric. Um, I will link to another article about this. Um, but I was reading about natural tie dye, which like I am not brave enough to do because I like also am not really a person. We, we've gone over this on this podcast that we are not really cooking people, but we have some spices, but I just worry I would end up with something ugly that just smelled like spices till the end of time. Cause you also need onions, but listen, we all have time on our hands. It's a lot more sustainable. It's better for you. It's better for your clothing. Like why not? And you don't have to just do sweatpants. I don't know. What else could you tie-dye? Socks? T-shirts? Kids clothes? Pillowcases? Yeah. Handkerchiefs? A face mask, perhaps? You know what? That's a great idea. I want to see your never-gets-old tie-dyed face masks.
0: Yeah, dude. Um, Yeah. I love the tie-dye thing. I love the fact that it has... And you're right. This is not like a trend that just came back yesterday. I I remember buying a, a... I don't know. It was like a pink and purple tie-dye sweatshirt from somewhere like it was like you know fast fashion and I got so many compliments like oh that is really cute and I was like thanks I mean I think it's cute too but like it was nothing special and I've seen that just that that whole trend only proliferate more
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's fun to make something yourself. And so the first thing is like, how can we make this as sustainable as possible and as inexpensive as possible? So also, like, look at what you already have. Now, be careful because I then ordered two vintage white sweatshirts and I kept one white because I was like, I don't want to tie dye everything. I feel like we're all going to come out of this. This is what I'm saying. Like, how, whenever we get out of this, the second there's going to be a flooding of the secondhand market. Of people offloading tie-dyed shit that they don't want so you got to be careful because like if you tie-dye everything then you're like eh, it's, it's a look you know like do something low stakes but look into what you already have um and if you don't buy some thrift or secondhand really inexpensive white sweats again it's funny since everyone's tie-dyeing like if you look up new white sweatpants on like an Amazon or places like that they're all sold out. Really, I guess just the nation is gripped with tie-dye. Uh, but you can you can just buy cheap buy cheap sweats, buy cheap white t-shirts. It doesn't matter, you're turning them into a new creation. The the beauty of tie-dye
0: is that no result will be the same. Sure, you can like use the same techniques or, you know, try to copy somebody's color creation, that sort of thing, but it's it's a it's a one-off. Like that's that's the fun of it. That's especially when you know, when I was a kid, that was always the joy of it is like, what's it gonna look like? I think we know, but we don't really know. So it's a little bit of like, we're um, really bored and climbing the walls. But also, it kind of matters less where the sweat outfit came from or if you're just doing like a top or a bottom. Because when the colors are done, then no one really is like, well, what's the stitching on that original, you know,
1: sweat pant well, that, and you, you know, you got this from? That's the truth. The set I made with vintage and thrift, uh, sweatpants looks no different from the really fancy ones. And I love that it cost me $0 um, because I already had the dyes and then I already had those sweatpants. Um, and that's, like, so low stakes, and that's really fun, and it's totally unique. And people are like, where did you get that? And I'm like, mm, it's one of a kind. I made it. Sorry. Um, right. But, you know, okay. So this is a lot of work. Maybe you don't want to, like, stain your couches or whatever or worry about getting your hands on, you know, using all your turmeric to, like, tie-dye a sock. So I got a second set, um, and it's actually – of course, secondhand from a maker on Poshmark. It was fifteen dollars, and it is so cute. It's different, so it's bleached tie dye, which people aren't doing right now because there's you, you shouldn't use bleach for this. People need bleach for medical and disinfectant purposes. But basically, it's a black top and sweat top and bottom. Um, I don't know how old they are or whatever. This girl had I think made this set. And what you do is you do the same tie-dye process, but you use bleach. So again, we'll upload a photo, but it's so cute. It was $15. And I started looking around on Poshmark. There are a million people selling tie-dye sets right now. And, you know, there are people on Etsy that are doing them to order. But again, if you're really jonesing for some tie-dye and you don't want to make it, just buy it on Poshmark or buy it on eBay or Mercari. Like there's so many people also bored making these sets. It's like, I'm not going to wear all six sets of these, you know, tie-dye sweatpants I made. I was thinking maybe like when I'm sick of them, I'll sell the set I made.
0: Totally. Yeah. And it's one of a kind. And, you know, at the risk of sounding a little patronizing, it's like you feel a sense of accomplishment afterwards. You do. You're like, it's fun and it's messy and you did it
1: and now you have this cool thing that no one else has. Absolutely. Um, So I will also link to some tips now. If you are like, I've already made three tie-dye outfits. I've already sold three tie-dye outfits. I've already bought secondhand tie-dye outfits. I need the next level shit. Well, There's this woman named Erica. She lives in California. She's extremely cool. She's a longtime fashion blogger and stylist. She is known for incredible DIYs and her blog is called Honestly WTF. I've been following it for almost a decade. I don't, I think she was someone's stylist on some project and I found out about her So she is always taking crafts and trends to the next level Um, and I will link to all of her DIYs because I'm obsessed with them. A lot of them are really hard. She's really talented and her stuff looks perfect and then I mean I've tried to do some of her stuff and I'm like it's not going to turn out like that but she's getting into next level tie-dye. So not only is she doing like silk which is different and she chronicles it but she's also doing tissue paper tie-dye where you like lay out all the tissue paper and let the stain run off the tissue paper. And it looks kind of complicated and I really want to do it with like a silk slip dress like she does, but I guarantee it will not look that good. Uh, and then she's also doing ice tie-dye. I will link to both of these things, but like these are very advanced. Very advanced. Tie-dye and tissue paper? Like I don't even, my
0: initial reaction is like, what What would that be good for? But I've watched enough Project Runway to know. You can get good at this stuff.
1: Well, so basically what you do, and I'm going to botch it, so I'll link to it, but I'm watching this like this time-lapse video of her ice dying. So, so basically it's just like different ways to get these effects. And again, she's like a level 12 crafter. Like everything she makes is incredible and I would like, buy in a second but with so like with ice dyeing, you like put your stuff on ice and then put the dyes in different places and let it seep in and it looks like crazy these pants she's made look made look incredible and then with tissue paper you like take a white she was using silk she did rayon very advanced tactics maybe like this is my next level of stuff um but you take different colored pieces of tissue paper and get them wet and then set them on this thing and then the idea is that they bleed in what looks like sort of a tie-dye pattern
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. This is like, yeah, like it's just creative stuff that I would never think of, but that's so cool. And and I bet it, the result again is like, there's a difference. Oh, that was a tissue tie.
1: Yeah. Tie, and like, whatever you know, you call it. there are brands like Danny Joe that sell like $300 tie-dyed silk slips and like you can make that stuff. You can buy it secondhand. Where there's a will, there's a way. We want to hop in on these trends. But they're also trends. So, you know, one thing I think about a lot, because we talk so much about waste associated with fashion and brands and um, trends, is that, like, we're going to get sick of it. Tie-dye is quite a look. And then pretty soon you'll be able to buy an unbelievable amount of secondhand tie-dye sweatpants suits that people have either made or bought. But there's, like, such a, you know, way to – it never gets old, this. It was like, you know – there there's a way to do it secondhand. There's a way to do it more sustainably. Like show me your tie dye, show me your cool patterns. Let me know if you try ice dyeing. Maybe I will, but I'm going to run out of white clothing and I'm going to be mad. I don't have any plain white clothing. That's the problem. You can't tie dye everything. Cause then you're like, Oh, I love these white jeans. I'm going to tie dye them. And then you don't have plain white pants. And it's a problem. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I mean, you know,
0: at the risk of, you know, TMI, white stuff does not work for me. It just like, it just, you know, pit stains and I drop things on myself and I just don't even own white clothes anymore. So if you're out there being like, yeah, have some white clothes as well. Uh, maybe the tie dye thing could give it new light.
1: Exactly. And then if you get sick of it, guess what? Sell it. Cause a lot of people want it right now. That's, that's tie dye from us to you. Us online at ingopodcast.com. There you'll learn more about me, your host, Meredith Feynman, my producer, Sarah Lane, links to past episodes, our email address, hello at ingopodcast.com. You can always slide into the DMs on Twitter and Instagram at ingopodcast. We love to hear from you or at my DMs at Meredith Feynman. And show us your creations. Don't stain everything you own, but let's all tie dye together. We'll see you soon.